Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Chris Rosini, our co-host. Chris, nice to have you with us. It's great to be with you again, Dr. Paul. Very good. I want to talk about economic planning, which has uh, been one of our nemesis of, oh, probably since FDR. <laughs> Even before that, there was economic planning. There's always, if you're in government, you feel obligated. I have to plan things. I have to be important. Uh, they never say, I'm in office now. I, how I want to make the country freer. No, they have to set a record for themselves, so they have to plan. And, uh, but it's been notorious uh, uh, since, uh, since the Depression. Each administration, there's more and more planning, more and more spending, more and more debt. Planning isn't working out so well. So today, Chris, we'll, we'll touch on the subject of uh, when is too much planning, <laughs> too much, and when, when is it coming? And people so often ask me, yeah, I agree with you. This thing is going to end. But tell me exactly when that's going to end. We'll talk a little bit about that. But the, uh, the whole thing is, is the economic planning has just really, really exploded and deteriorated in this last year and a half, ever since COVID. But uh, some people think, uh, you know, the COVID, there was a pandemic and they had to react and, and that was a natural, normal consequence. As others, like myself, I think there was a little bit of conniving involved. Not that they invented for the purpose of doing this, but there was an opportunity. Don't let this opportunity go to waste. So when there was uh, something to blame for some problem and excuse uh, to move things along, you know, we're not supposed to ever waste an emergency. And, uh, and if you don't have an emergency, make it an emergency. And uh, there was a little bit of activity going on in Washington uh, with, uh, with the politicians to stir up a lot of fear and interest. So, so the planners really, really got busy. And the markets uh, got a little bit nervous. So what do, the, what do the politicians do? Well, they're nervous, it's going down, and who, what's gonna happen? So the Fed was readily available. Uh, not that uh, there was reason to be cautious because the Fed was already in some problems even before the pandemic, and uh, they had been spending too much, and there was a downturn, and they were dealing with the federal, they were dealing with the stock market. So it was there. And uh, once this went down, though, the Fed came flying in, and uh, they didn't just produce a couple billion dollars. They got into the trillions of dollars for the first time. They talk about trillion dollars uh, like it's nothing, and they've continued to do it. But it's caused a lot of distortions. Uh, the distortions were there. Uh, the economic planning, the philosophy that Republicans and Democrats follow, uh, that's been there. Uh, the protection of uh, true liberty has not been there. So it was pretty messy. But it, it, but it was especially weak at the beginning of this pandemic. But uh, it would be my assumption, Chris, that things have gotten a lot worse. I mean, if, we, if you happen to believe that government was too big and should be smaller, we should be spending less and we shouldn't be monetizing all this debt, we're, we're not winning that argument. So uh, in this last year and a half, we've had all kinds of examples of economic planning which uh, we shouldn't call it economic planning. It's, it's not planning, unless, unless a disaster is, is worthwhile. They're whatever they're doing, they're, they're ending up with more of a disaster. So the pretense at planning and making things better, that doesn't exist. They make an effort at plan for political reasons and they make things a lot worse and we will be forced to deal with it. Yes, Dr. Paul, and you know, central planning has always failed. It fails today and it will always fail in the future. 
So why does this keep happening? Well, each generation has to learn anew. You don't come into this world understanding why central planning always fails. And the central planners will never tell you why they're always going to fail. It's because they believe that they can make dictates and everything will go on as usual, except for the dictate. Everything will just adapt around their dictate. And it's just not true. When they make their dictates, everything changes. And it's impossible to know all the subsequent changes that are going to happen. It's impossible to know how every individual in their mind will react in their own unique localized situation. So when government intervenes, I may react one way, Dr. Paul may react another, my neighbor another way, and it all happens on the spot. I mean, we don't even know ourselves how we're going to react. We can plan, we could say, okay, if the government does this, I'm going to do this. But when it actually happens on that, uh, in that moment, we may decide to do something totally different. So it's impossible to centrally plan the country, the world, the universe, whatever they dream up in their minds, but they still do it. And what they do, as Dr. Paul mentioned, is they just multiply problems, pile them on, one after another after another, up until the point where the people have had enough and they want their freedom again. You know, economic planning is supposed to, uh, you know, eliminate the chaos. Yeah, what we're saying is economic planning is the, is the cause of the chaos because it doesn't, things don't work out as the politicians think. You know, in a free market, uh, there's a job uh, for the businessman and even the worker to anticipate what the future is going to bring because uh, they have to make decisions, especially the entrepreneur who has to borrow money and make plans and anticipate what the desires are going to be of the consumers. And if uh, they anticipate right and run a good business, they make money and they can participate in the capitalist system by uh, earning more money than they need just for maintenance of, of their livelihood. They, may, they have to make a, enough that there's extra, which becomes the capital for expanding their business or loaning the money to somebody else to expand uh, the business. And they have to know uh, something uh, in the free market. They have to say, well, one of the major costs and good information that we get on what we should do are the interest rates. You know, if, uh, if there's not much capital out there, uh, interest rates uh, will change and they will, they will go up and, uh, and the savings are, are, are low. And uh, this will cause the savers to do different things. But the person who's getting ready to invest and anticipate the marketplace, they have to make a decision. Today, that doesn't exist because we don't have a market psychology. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the main thing that uh, the individuals, everybody now has to anticipate is they hold pins and needles, uh, especially on the week when the Fed is meeting. What did the Federal Reserve Board Chairman say? What were the words he used? Oh, let's look at the report this week. And six weeks ago, he said this. He changed two words. And, and then they wait and they have a press conference. Offer. They, they, they believe these words. And the words do have an effect because that's what everybody looks that and yet there it's all false illusions it's it's all fake it isn't trying to make a decision about something happened in the market it's trying to figure out what the bureaucrats are going to do and what the politicians are going to do what the federal reserve is going to do and guess what you've already said it chris 
things get worse. They, they don't get better. And uh, just look at what's happened in this past year. Uh, well, we, we can't let the system fall apart, which it was on the verge of doing. We have to uh, get the helicopters going, pack, get helicopters and pass the money out. And believe me, it was like helicopters. I mean, the money just dro you know, dropped down on every family. But most of that money is getting spent now and things are changing, but there's no true growth, no true investments that go on. So the, uh, the management doesn't work because uh, even, the, even the managers of an economy, they have no idea what the results are going to be. If you pass out a lot of money, you don't know what what the consumer is going to do with the money. He might pay debt. He might buy a car. He might buy a house. He, who knows what he's going to do? So you cannot anticipate what's happening. So the Keynesians who have all these formulas, and they're very, very complex, they figure it out, and they're trying to say, well, uh, you know, with, with arithmetic and, and uh, calculations, we can tell what the economy is going to do in six months. They don't know whether or not the whole the whole system is going to fall apart within the next six weeks, which it could. Uh, but the, that's, the, that's the one big difference between free market economics and, and government planning is the free market planners, uh, you, you know, the free market people have an understanding that uh, there's a subjective element. What the people think and what they want to do makes, makes a big difference on how they spend their money. And uh, right now, they're, they're getting some weird signals. For instance, I think one of the weirdest things under today's conditions, Chris, has been this thing that the government passed out a lot of money and it, they, to the point where uh, unemployment and welfare checks and the special bonuses from the government that was so great, they created an incentive for people not to work. Wow, that's a pretty neat deal. And now there's a high demand for labor. Uh, and and, and th th that they, they, they t tend to enjoy that, but that, that can't last. That's artificial. And it also means that the, where is the money going to go if it's not going into productive investment? It's going to go into higher prices. And Chris, that's the one thing that's going to happen. And you can be certain of, even though we don't know how much and when and what the conclusion will be, but if you pour out the money and monetize debt, to the tune that they're doing now, it's going to lead to the ordinary inflation, which is the prices of goods and services that people need to uh, take care of their lives on a daily basis. Right, Dr. Paul, and what a great uh, point you made about the Fed and how everybody hangs on words <laughs> and, and people do that with politicians too. You know, and our job is to help break this spell. And the way you do it is you realize that civilization, human civilization, is not made with a master blueprint by some individuals, you know, but there are always people who believe that they have the blueprint, they are going to create the society of their imaginations. And, you know, you, you know what they're going to do. We see it today. They want to destroy what is. They want to destroy the present, destroy all memories of the past. We're going to start human life with a blank slate and then they're going to rebuild this society that they have in their imaginations and you know what we are seeing today is not something new look at the french revolution the russian revolution maoism in china it's the same thing they're going to build their mm -hmm. utopia on top of all the rubble that they create and all that they do in the end is destroy 
because anybody could destroy anybody could do that they destroy everything and it stays destroyed they build absolutely nothing because society is not built that way it's not built by a few individuals no matter how much money they have how much knowledge they have or how much power they have so today when we see the words build back better you know for a fact they're not going to build anything back better if they destroy everything everything will stay destroyed until the people once again want their freedom again you know this problem that we're facing today is very very serious and it's talked about because the fed i think they realize that this is different uh, than ever before and that they just can't do that and the balance sheet is getting so big and they uh, and people you know still have a little bit uh of an opinion that that can't last so in in 2019 the, the fed actually started to shrink the balance sheet and they did that for a few months and it caused a calamity and this was before uh before uh the corona uh, coronavirus came out so they were shrinking it and uh the, the uh, economy was collapsing and all this so that's when they they really moved into the qe stuff but that that's been going on up until just uh, recently uh you know, especially with the COVID in the last year or so they have been increasing the amount that they have to monetize. And uh, on a monthly basis, they take $80 billion, uh, create new $80 billion to buy treasury bills, and then another $40 billion to buy uh, mortgage-backed securities, part of that housing bubble that's you know back at, in action again. So they do that, it's $120 billion a month that they are just pumping in there. And a lot of that ends up into the hands of the very wealthy in the banks. They have excesses reserves and they can earn a little bit of interest a lot more than if you if an individual saves some money and gets a cd but the announcement this week was absolutely bizarre because they can't turn it off and now they've taken that 120 and they've increased it uh, adding another 300 billion dollars in cash by the end of this year so they know it's not working uh but they know they can't cut back that's one thing i don't think anybody believes that that balance sheet and this uh, uh acceleration of monetary inflation is going to be reversed it is an addiction it's like an addiction there's too many side effects and uh, too too many symptoms of an economy where you try to cut it off the bankruptcies would just go crazy and uh, even though the market if, if you said, well, the government's gone, the Fed's gone, Congress is gone, what's the market gonna do? There'd be a lot of bankruptcies, there'd be pain and suffering, but if, we, if freedom was restored, it would last about a year, and everybody could get back on their feet because all the debt would be liquidated. But nobody considers that at all, except theoretically. But they did that in 1921, and it worked out quite well. After a year, uh, they went back to economic growth again. But right now, it's not going to happen. So they're going to continue. They're accelerating already, and people anticipate it. So they have to figure, what's this Fed going to do? Are they even hinting? And every once in a while, uh, I, I think most people, especially Fed, know they can't cut back. But afterwards, they'll say something. The Fed said, well, if things are looking better in the front here and within a few more months, we might be able to start cutting back. And then for 20 minutes, the stock market sinks. And then they say, oh, we don't believe them. So it goes back to, uh, you know, believing that the printing presses will run. But one thing that will happen that they have no control of is the purchasing power of the Federal Reserve note after this gets out of control because that's based on a, a subjective belief that the value there will last forever because we are the current 
you know, the reserve currency of the world, although it's getting smaller, then they can trust, uh, because we are still a wealthy country, we still have a military might, so they believe that this is going to last forever. But uh, statistically and, uh, and, and economically, it won't work. It's not going to happen. And that's the reason why one of these panics are going to occur instead of the Fed just pumping out tens if not hundreds of billions and of course the expenditures now are in the trillions of dollars uh you know in last this last year with coronavirus i six trillion dollars they've spent and uh you can't real really see healthy economic growth so until people realize the great danger and what has to happen uh we're going to have more of it and then there will be a reckoning and that is when the thing falls apart and people will it'll be a survival mode but Chris, the thing that bothers me is people will survive if they have their liberties. But if they don't have it and the tyrants gain greater foothold, and they are in this past year with this coronavirus, and they're working so hard to get this, uh, uh, you, you, you know, passport, you, you know, vaccine passport. Everybody has to have a vaccine passport. And, they're, and uh, the Fed is able to badger the big companies. If you don't do it, we're going to punish you. And uh, it, it's a, a very powerful tool they have because they depend on, on, the, on the Fed uh, to keep doing it. But uh, eventually, when the purchasing power of the dollar, which is already going down significantly, when it gets out of control, the ball game's over. And we better know what we're going to do, and I hope we can contribute to what it is like to have a monetary system which is considered a sound monetary system. The founders knew exactly what the runaway inflation was with the uh, continental dollar, because it was not worth a continental. And they said, nothing but gold and silver can be legal tender. They put it into the Constitution. And they knew what was wrong. But that was that that whole principle was eroded. And by the time the Fed was started in 1913, it's been downhill and uh, it, it is uh, it, it's on a dead end road of destroying that currency. But I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. We know, know that if it continues, something like that is going to happen. But it could be six months or six years. They can be held together. But one thing for sure, until you solve that problem, the standard of living for all Americans will go down, except those few who know how to protect themselves by being participants in the whole charade. Excellent job, Dr. Paul. I'm going to finish up um, by saying our job is twofold. One is to point out what does not work and cannot work, like central planning, like the Federal Reserve, like all the government agencies that try to plan every single industry, every single aspect of life. That is a road to failure. But we also, number two, want to point out what does work. And what does work is individual liberty. What does work is that we individually have control over our own lives and our own situations, largely. You know, that's where the real power is. It's in you, it's in me, it's in each individual, where we are in our lives, wherever we happen to be. And I say we're largely in control because we can't have complete control, just like the central planners. Uh, no one is all knowing. I can't predict the weather because I don't know all the possible infinite changes that could take place, nor do I know what my neighbor is thinking and, and acting and believing. These are all impossible to know. So we always have to factor in that we live in a world of uncertainty and we can't escape that. There are things that we cannot know and will not know no matter what. But even despite that, 
we can set our own course and move one step at a time towards it. Um, you know, and the libertarian way is, as you're doing that, don't harm anybody and don't take their stuff. But we have to also make sure that we're not kidding ourselves. What we're striving for has to be real. It has to be true. You know, you look at the politicians and all their followers and they're chasing fantasies that no matter how many steps they take, they're never going to reach it. So while central planning is the road to ruin, the upside is individual liberty and individual responsibility is the road to peace and prosperity. Very good, Chris. That's excellent. You know, uh, we mentioned that uh, people, um, you know, one reason why they poured the money into the system on, on Corona was that the economy would turn down and there will be a, uh, a weakening of the economy. And they had to stimulate the economy. So they pumped the money in into the, into the system. And all of a sudden we had this unusual thing where people were getting more money uh, sent to them from the government so they didn't have to go to work. So there's a lot of jobs, but nobody will go to work. So that that is a decision made by the individual, which nobody predicted that that was going to happen. I don't know how often that's happened in history, but uh, I, I imagine it has when they try to, you know, salvage something and you just pass out the money. Why should people go and, and work for less? And that's what it would that's what it would take. But uh, in another area, the same thing is happening. Uh, banks right now uh, are literally begging American people uh, to take out loans. They're, they're flooding with money and uh, the excessive reserves are put back into the Federal Reserve. They hold them. They get paid interest, which is ra rather bizarre. But the, the banks would like to loan out the money, and the money is there. My, you know, capital should come from savings, an excess of what people made and didn't have to use to live on. And yet, yet now there's the so-called capital. It's not really capital. It's just an excessive flow. And the disruption that has come with this economic planning is such that people aren't ready to borrow a lot of money. And uh, if they do, it'll probably be for consumption, but not building uh, building railroads or what. Even the, even the building on the highways will be a government function, and it will be uh, distorted by the fact that it'll be uh, the money there will be divvied up by uh, by the politicians. But but anyway, it's sort of strange. Uh, there's there's uh, a lot of jobs out there going begging and people are doing well without it because government's sending them a lot of money. And the same way uh, the banks, uh, the banks want to loan money, you know, to, to people. And there's not enough people that feel confident enough to do it, even if they don't have to pay any interest rates. There's a hesitation because eventually somebody might have to pay back the principal. And that is when the big problems start. But uh, the, uh, the mess that we have is here, it's gonna stay. But the good news is it's not unsolvable. It's, it is solved by uh, some of the very strong hints that the founders gave us, you know, property rights and contract rights, sound money and uh, living within our means. The other thing that uh, would have to be done is that we would have to change our trade policy, our overseas trade policies, and not rely on protectionism and not rely on empire that is not a way to prosperity yeah, the the best way for that to happen is for us to set an example by by managing uh, to allow people in this country uh, to do what they think is best for themselves and their family it's doable we just have to establish those principles and get enough people to agree 
I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.